Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Thank you for joining us again in our core classes. We're in the salvation section. Uh, if you're in the big book with us, at the top of your page, it says 40 things that happened the moment you became a Christian. That's the section we're on. It's actually the fourth session. It's the second part of the fourth session. And this is one of my favorite parts. I'm sad that there's so much here that we're not going to get to go through all of it. We'll go through a chunk of it. But there are 40 things, according to Scripture, that happened to you the moment you believed. We talked last time about the fact that your identity, when you believe, is now in Christ. That becomes the foundation of who you are and what's most true about you. So this study here is 40 different things uh, that are discussed as now true about you as a child of God. As we're rolling things out, we're doing it in conjunction with our new membership statement of faith. So I'd like to read several points in the salvation section on um, salvation. And then we're going to jump into our study together. So here it says, we're in section J, which is salvation. We're going to do points four through eight. Point four says this, those who believe the gospel are born again. They are made alive in Christ as new creations complete with a new nature. We studied that last time. Number five says the saving work of Christ, and here's some of the benefits, reconciles and justifies believers, declaring them holy, blameless, and not guilty in God's sight, giving them peace with a full access to God. Point six says Christians are in Christ. Again, there's our identity. We're in Christ and are given the very righteousness of Christ results in a right standing before God to be experienced and enjoyed forever. Number seven, though we were once enemies, God the Father adopts gospel believers into his family to enjoy a relationship as a, as a beloved children. Point eight in the last eight we'll cover, last number we'll cover, it says that God redeems us, breaks the chains that once bound us to sin, selfishness, and Satan, and sets us free to live life in response to Christ's love. So back into our book, the 40 things that happened the moment you became a Christian. There are six sections here. All of them start with R, which would make all of our preachers happy. Uh, the first section is ways that our relationship has changed. The section, second section is ways where our righteousness and position of being reconciled with God has changed. We're just going to cover the first two sections. So the next four sections, which we're not going to cover, I'm going to suggest that you take your time, look up those verses, you're going to get it, how this flow works, and see what those verses say about you now being in Christ. Let's jump into it. The first section is about our relationship as children with Christ. According to Scripture, we find bonding, belonging, intimacy, we're desired, and we're loved. Point one, we are made alive as new creations. And there's several verses that discuss it. I'll read two of them. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. The old things, they have passed away. And behold, the new things, they have come. John chapter 3, verse 36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. So according to this verse, when do we receive eternal life? It says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. Sometimes we think as Christians that one day we're going to receive eternal life. That's not scriptural. According to scripture, we already have eternal life. 
One day we'll get to experience eternal life and move into the eternal realm with Jesus. But we've already been given eternal life in Christ. The second truth is that we, are, we have an intimate and personal family relationship with God himself. The Bible says that we are adopted. John 1.12, Jesus says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Not one day, but when you believe, when you receive Jesus, right then you are a child of God, even to those who believe in his name. Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us to adoption as sons. Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. So we are adopted intentionally by God himself to be his children. My wife and I, we've, we've never jumped into the foster care system. We've never adopted, but we have many friends who have. That is a powerful, powerful thing to take someone who is, does not share in your family name, has no blood relations with you, but you look at them and you choose to love them and bring them into your family as one of your own. That is what Jesus has done to us. The third point is that the Bible says that Christ is now in us. Colossians 1.27 talks about the fact of that our hope is in this reality, that Christ is in us, Christ in you. In that section, it talks about the fact that in the Old Testament, there was mystery over what Jesus would be like. And it says that now in the New Testament, it has been revealed. The mystery has been revealed. That is Christ in you. The whole Old Testament was pointing towards this reality that Christ would live in those who would believe. Point four, eternal life and a resurrected body are given to those who believe. Now, eternal life is given immediately. We've discussed that, but it says one day we will also receive a resurrected body. Philippians 3.21 says, speaking of Jesus, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. So the same power he has which puts everything in subjection to Jesus is the power that he will use to give you and I a resurrected body along with everyone who believes. Point five, we have a hope in a personal home that's prepared for us by Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14 verses two and three, the disciples have just heard that Jesus at one point is going to leave them. Jesus is starting to let them know that there's a day when he will no longer be with them. And the Bible says that their hearts are starting to fill with anxiety, that they're feeling overwhelmed and discontent. Jesus responds to that discontent, that anxiety by saying, you need to know that if I go, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And there will be many rooms and then I will return and gather you and bring you to be there with me forever. So there's this reality that Jesus is preparing a place for you and I to be with him forever. This is the encouragement that Jesus uses to speak to anxious hearts that his disciples are dealing with. That is part of our identity. We have a future set home with our Messiah forever. That affects how you look at your day-to-day -day struggles and your day-to-day -day stress. Bible also says, in number six, that we are light. We are light. It says that Jesus himself is light and that God is light. And then what he does is he fills us with his spirit and we then become God's light to the world. We're called salt, we're called light, but we're infused with the power of God to show people what Jesus is like. We're called light. 
That becomes true of us the moment we're saved. You can see that in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. We're described like shining stars. Okay, the second major section. So the first section was about our relationship. The second major section is kind of about how um, our legal status before God has changed. This section talks about the fact that we're righteous, reconciled, and redeemed, which means that we've found acceptance, approval, and peace with our God in Christ. So number seven of the 40 is all of your sins are totally paid for. There's a day in the Old Testament when, when animals were sacrificed for sin, and we're told that that's only a temporary arrangement. It's almost like those, those sins are being put on layaway. But with Jesus, it's a once-for-all sacrifice. So when he says, it is finished, it is truly finished. All of your sins and mine are completely and utterly paid for. There is no sin that you have committed, are committing, or will commit that hasn't already been dealt with on the cross. It's a once for all salvation in Jesus. Point eight says, past, present, and future, it is finished. Hebrews 10:12 says, but he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. He covers all of them. Number nine, you stand justified and perfect in God's eyes. Hebrews 10:14 says, for by one offering, Jesus has perfected for all time, those who are being sanctified. The question after that says, when will we be perfected? Notice, for by offering, for by one offering, Jesus has perfected, has already perfected. Now, you and I know day to day, we're so much less than perfect. But because we're completely forgiven, we're fully accepted and considered holy and blameless in God's eyes. We've received perfection morally because Jesus took on all of our immorality on the cross and died for it and paid the penalty for it. Number 10, your sins are absolutely forgiven and they are absolutely forgotten. You can look up Hebrews 10, 17. Number 11, no condemnation. You and I no longer under any condemnation. We have been fully reconciled to God. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, which is a great verse to know, says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. There's no penalty. There's no one that can look on you and condemn you morally for your sins in an eternal way for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 5 verse 1, Romans 5 verse 10 speaks to the 12th point. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justification points to almost like a courtroom activity where someone has to lower the gavel and say, you have been made clean, you've been made right, you've been forgiven, you've been justified in the eyes of the holy moral law of God. You and I can't justify ourselves. We will fall way short in that court of law because all of us stand guilty, only because Jesus stands in our place fully and completely and bears the weight and punishment of our sin can justification be given for us because the Father looks at our sin, but then looks on Jesus and we're justified. Okay, so our wrath, the wrath of, of God falls on Jesus instead of us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So we've been fully reconciled, which means we have peace with God. Justification leads to peace with God. We're reconciled. 
There is a bridge between the two of us that no one can ever destroy. A fence can never be made. We always have full and complete access to God. There's always peace in His presence. So when you wake up in the morning and you have a bad attitude, you're angry, you think about things you shouldn't think about, and you say things you shouldn't say. Perhaps you mistreat someone at work or in your family. Uh, You come home, you don't spend any time with the Lord all day long, you forget to pray, and you watch television shows, and maybe you watch stuff that you maybe even shouldn't watch, and you go to bed a little bit angry. From God's point of view, the moment you walk into His presence, He has a smiling face. There's nothing about your day that's going to make you more acceptable to the Lord than if you woke up, prayed for 12 hours, fasted, and then went to bed. Regardless of the type of day you had, you are still equally accepted in God's presence. You are still equally justified and reconciled in God's presence. He's equally as happy to see you regardless of the type of day you've had. He doesn't, he, we're in a position as we grow in Christ to become more like Christ, but your acceptance does not change. The foundation of your identity in Jesus is as firm as the largest boulder on the planet, it is immovable, unchangeable. It is who you are now in Christ, and that's the most important thing about you. My encouragement is that you continue through this study. This would be a great study to do with your children. If you have daughters or boys who are struggling with their identity, this is really helpful. If you sometimes find yourself in despair, or you're discouraged, or you let the words of other people dictate the way you view yourself and your world and your relationships, this is the type of study you should be spending time doing. So take your time, keep working through the study, and then we will spend some time next time in our core class looking at our eternal, forever assured relationship that we have in Jesus. We'll see you then.